Welcome to the podcast, Words Never Spoken. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jill Douglas. And I'm your other co-host, Carmen Walsh. Thank you for sharing this sacred space of vulnerability with us. The stories here are real and raw. We ask you to honor the courage it takes to share them. We invite you to listen from love, be open to your own healing. And let these stories remind you of how powerful you are. So welcome to episode two of our podcast. And today we are going to be talking about a topic that many of us have dealt with, codependency. So let me just say a word about that. And then I'm going to introduce our guest to you. So codependency as defined in Webster's dictionary is a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person manifesting low self-esteem and a strong desire for approval has an unhealthy attachment to another, often controlling or manipulative person. That sounds like a lot. (laughs) There's another one that says, it's also known as relationship addiction because people with codependency often form or maintain relationships that are one-sided, emotionally destructive and or abusive. So what that can look like in your life as we'll get into today, is that you're giving, 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 trying to make yourself be all the things and be great, but there's something always wrong. Something's always wrong with you. The person is it's never enough. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there, right? So if any of this sounds familiar to you from your past, your present, then stay tuned, listen up. And also, if there is somebody in your life who experiences this, you may decide to share something like this. Sometimes it's hard to approach somebody and talk about codependency because when you're in it, you don't always see it. I will give that caveat. So I wanted to clearly define it first as we get into this topic. Now, our guest today is none other than our fantastic co-host, Carmen Walsh. She has decided this is part of her story that she wants to share with you to highlight the gold and the light that she has discovered after walking some of these dark spaces. So Carmen, I am so honored to have you here in this safe and sacred space. And I really honor your courage and your vulnerability to share with us today um, a story and stories that feel very vulnerable. So thank you so much for being willing to, to be here and to share. Thank you, Jill. Um, I do appreciate this safe space. It's, you know, even after so many years of living through this and healing, it still does feel vulnerable to talk about it. So thank you for for being here with me. You're welcome. You're so welcome, my dear. So I would love for you to just go ahead and start, you know, start in the thick of it. Share. Start with your story. Sure. Um, So I was about 10 and, you know, I was the youngest kid of five kids in a loving family, you know, married parents, great partners, you know, everything looked good from the outside, really. And, and, and most things felt good on the inside. (laughs) But one of my brothers, um, he's six years older than me, he had epilepsy. And um, from the time he was six months old. So, mm-hmm. you know, I never knew life without his epilepsy. Wow. 
And he had a seizure, a grand mal seizure, which is that thing you see on the television, you know, where the person's arms and legs are jerking and there might be foaming in the mouth, like those big things. Wow. Um, at least every two weeks. And um, so when I was 10, um, I remember sitting at the breakfast table with my brother, Eric is his name, and um, the brother in between us, Ivan, and we are sitting at the breakfast table like any other day, you know, eating cereal. Um, and, and Eric started having a seizure. Um, you know, his, it usually started with his arm jerking. So I would notice the, you know, the arm with the spoon would shake, you know, and, and he fell off the bench onto the floor. Um, and, you know, I had seen it before many times, obviously. And, but this time was different in that as you know, we, cause we would always go to try to protect him from hitting his head, you know, against the wall or the furniture or whatever. And, and this time I saw his eyes roll back in his head. Whereas I could only see the white. So he had these big, dark brown eyes, you know, and I, I looked at him and all I could see were whites and it freaked me out. Um, I remember actually looking at my brother, my other brother, Ivan, and we just like our eyes, you know, just locked for a second, like, holy crap, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that was it, right? We didn't say anything. We just, you know, you just stay there with Eric while he has the seizure and, and then life goes on. <laughs> um, and so like nothing special <laughs> happened that day. Um, but I do believe looking back that I actually knew that day he was going to die. Like, like this is not a long term sustainable <laughs> type right. situation. Right. Yeah. Um, so he would have been like 16 then. And I, I just, I, I do, I believe I knew that day he was going to die. And, and with all that fear, we did not say anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like we never talked mm -hmm. about, damn, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. this is really scary. I don't remember ever having conversations like that in our family. Wow. And it was just the way things were, you know, and you mm -hmm. just dealt with it. And, and so I learned to, feel very alone mm. because of that right because when you don't when you can't share what you're going through with somebody then you automatically feel like you're doing it all by yourself yeah and you don't know if anybody else is feeling the same way right mm -hmm. so yeah like, well maybe i'm the only one that thinks this is hard yeah you know, maybe i'm the only one who gets resentful about this you know that yeah. feels guilty because I'd rather like go have fun and not feel like I'm responsible for whether my brother lives or dies. Right. And, you know, so it's, and it, it took me a long time to even realize that I had any of those feelings, you know, I was so used to just, you just deal with life. 
you don't talk about it. Like, I, and I remember hearing, you know, don't complain. It does no good. It doesn't do mm. anything. Complain, right. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. And, and I, as an adult, <laughs> much wiser adult now, I understand <laughs> what was actually behind that sentiment of complaining doesn't do any good. But as a child, yeah, I think what I heard was just keep your mouth shut and, and deal with it. Yeah. Suck it up and deal with it. Suck it up. Right. And, and so it's, it's been a journey of actually like unlearning how I perceive things as that young girl. Yeah. Understanding better. Right. Um, because I absolutely have a loving family. Mm-hmm. You no, know? very caring would do anything for me. But I had to go through years of being resentful, like, well, why did they make me do that? You know, like, why couldn't it have been different? And all of those, those questions. And yeah. now, I mean, I realize that we all did the best we could. Right. With the tools we had. Right. We absolutely yeah. did, you know, and all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that. Um, so, so, so how that leads to codependency, right, is. Yeah. It, I was always focused on my brother. Mm. I was always on edge, you know, waiting for the next seizure. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the longer it went, the scarier it got, right? The, yeah. the two weeks it got, like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, right? Right. You're waiting for the other shoe to fall. It's just a normal, natural feeling that gets to, that sits in your body like that. Like, that is very familiar, right? Very uh, familiar. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so the level of anxiety in my body was just intense. Yeah. Um, but it was, again, it's that external focus of like, well, I, it's my job to take care of somebody else. Right. And in that particular case, it felt like life and death. Yes. And that's how I learned it. Right. Yeah. It was my beginning of codependency. Yeah. I can see that for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting, like you, you're talking about the definition of codependency and like being in relationships where it's kind of one-sided and you never feel like enough and all those things. Well, I am the textbook of that. (laughs) (laughs) I I was in, you know, tried many relationships that were not the best for me. And anyone from the outside would have told me that. And people did, you know, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I gravitated toward those situations where, somebody for whatever reason, whether they had an addictive personality or whatever, you know, that they, I felt like I could help them. Right. And it mm. wasn't a conscious thing, but mm-hmm. I did toward where I could be responsible for somebody else. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to just be responsible for myself. Right. I was always looking to, and that I remember reading when I first learned about codependency, that, that the, kind of the ultimate codependency is you, you are taking care of other people and you expect other people to take care of you. Mm, Interesting. So there's no self-responsibility. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That leads to all kinds of problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So bring us forward a little bit to like, when did you first kind of become aware of this idea even 
an experience of codependency because I know for, for me and probably for a lot of people, again, like we said in the beginning, you don't really recognize it at first when you're living in it. You're just either trying to be a nice person or trying to help somebody or you're just like, well, that was just an off day for that person or they're just stressed about something. Like when you start interacting with people that, you know, take, um, when you're in a codependent relationship, you know, there's somebody who is more dominant and then there's usually someone who is more submissive kind of thing. But anyway, so yeah. So how did you kind of discover that, oh my gosh, this is something I'm dealing with? Yeah. Um, Well, it took, oh, from the story I told you, it was more than probably 35 years of living in that type of, uh, those type of relationships without ever knowing what codependency was. Yeah. Uh, And the way it came to my awareness was I was in a relationship with a man who had a severe alcohol addiction Mm. and beautiful soul, you know, um, loving heart and lots of issues. Uh, And of course I did not know that when I met him (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I just knew he said he didn't drink Mm. and I didn't realize that he didn't drink for the last few months because he had just gone through rehab again. Um, Mm -hmm. But what happened is we actually quickly moved in together, which I I didn't even want, but being that submissive part of the codependent relationship, I just was like, okay. Um, And, but after he moved in with me, I quickly learned that um, because he did start drinking again. um, And then I saw not only massive amounts of alcohol consumed. Um, He had issues where he'd wake up in the middle of the night or not quite wake up. He would be like in a trance or whatever, and he would be completely out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it was a scary and obviously unsettling um, atmosphere to live in. And yet I did not tell anyone. Because you already, let's just look at this for a moment from a, you know, back it up for a moment because you have already shared with us that like this was kind of ingrained into your body from a very young age, right? Like I want people listening to know like a lot of times like we can blame ourselves so much. We can carry a lot of shame around things like this and we'll get into that and what you brought with you from all this. But like it was tr- it, it was embedded into you as a young child simply because of the circumstances you were in and nobody discussing it with you because everybody else was trying to survive and do their own thing. And, you know, now you're in a situation as an adult, but like there's part of that on edge, shoes going to, other shoes going to drop, like feeling that was very familiar in your body. Right. And of course we don't talk about this. What's complaining going to do about it? You know, nothing. So just keep it mum. Just do your thing. Just deal with it. Right. So again, no need for self-judgment, although we all do. So I just wanted to kind of name that and, and point it out for our listeners too, who might be in a codependent situation and blaming themselves. Like, how could I do this? How could I be in this position? You know, even if you haven't had what you think of as big T trauma or whatever in your past, like we all experience things, right? And so we can let ourselves off the hook for feeling like we're the ones to blame about it. We don't have to bring blame into it at all, really, but- 
Okay. Yeah. And I would add that in addition to that feeling quite normal in my mm-hmm. body is that I also, it felt like betrayal if I would tell anyone else about what was happening with him. Yeah. So yeah. It was, it was, it's, it's basically my sense of responsibility was so much greater toward him than toward myself. Yeah. I would rather take care of him, protect his reputation, mm-hmm. all of that, yeah. than take care of my own sense of well-being. Yeah. Very classic codependent feelings. Yep. Been yeah. there, done that too. Yep. So yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm in this relationship and it's, I, I can't get very good sleep because a lot of times he's waking up in the middle of the night and having these episodes like, I mean, one day, one night he was like screaming curse words into the refrigerator. Wow. Okay. And that's how crazy it was at times. Um, Or he'd leave me notes like saying how horrible of a person I was because leaving him behind. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm in bed. Like, you know, it's, it was, it was crazy. Wow. And um, so I'm, I'm living through this. And, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm working, um, I have a full-time job, you know, and I go to work one day and I'm driving at that point, I was driving an hour to, to work. And I remember this one morning I, I drove to work and I'm like, basically the whole drive there, I'm, I'm in tears. I'm like Mm -hmm. to my wits end. Like, what do I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. But this is not sustainable. I I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And I got all the way to where my office building was. So I made, you know, the whole hour drive. And then I sat on the street. Instead of going in the parking garage like normal, I just sat, I parked my car on the on the street, like I'm looking at my office building. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I am in no shape to go mm. pretend that I'm okay yeah. and do my job today. It's just not happening. Yeah. And so I left my supervisor a message, you know, like, Hey, I just, I can't do today. So I'll, mm. I'll see you tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I drove, I started to drive home, but I didn't want to go home. Right. Um, uh, he was probably going to be there. I don't remember that part, but um, I started to drive home and I actually ended up going to a, a lake, a reservoir that I used to go to when I lived closer to there. And, and I just, I sat in my car looking out at this reservoir and I just sat there and I just bawled my eyes out. And, and I remember I remember thinking that day because I had, it was not, not too long before that a a old friend had committed suicide Mm. Um, and not somebody I'd seen in years, but had known from childhood. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember sitting there that day and going, I get it now. I get it. How people that look like they have it all together on the surface 
can suddenly commit suicide. Wow. Leaving everyone going, what in the world, you know? Because that day I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, I have no idea where to go from here. Like, I feel so out of control in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, I, I can't do that. Yeah. I, I can't commit suicide because I can't do that to my parents. Mm-hmm. That was my reason. Yeah. Not that my life was worth too much to lose. But because I couldn't do that to my parents because I left this part out of the story. My brother, who had epilepsy, did die when he was 21 years old and I was 15. Yeah. So I watched my parents go through losing a child. Yeah. And so that day I was like, I can't do that to my parents. Right. So I've got to find another way. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So that day I reached out to a friend of mine who was a social worker, I'd sent her a text and I'm like, I'm having a really hard time and I need to talk to somebody. Hmm. And she was a professional and she's like, I can't be your counselor, you know, because I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know, recommended somebody and I started counseling them. Um, and that probably saved my life. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I ever would have committed suicide because again, (laughs) I felt responsible for my parents' feelings. Um, But, but I know I I knew I couldn't do it alone anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is the day that I stopped feeling like I had to do it all alone. Mm -hmm. And once I started counseling, then then I told a couple of my really closest friends what was going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then they could support me because then they knew. Right. You know, and it was letting right. go of this idea of like, I have to do it all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just highlight that, like, because in those relationships and situations and whether you're somebody listening who has gone through that or whether you're in it right now, there usually is a point, you know, that we hit where it's like, there's this, oh my God, I can't do this alone anymore. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. It's a very helpless feeling. It's a very, um, yeah, out of control feeling. And I am so grateful that you, Carmen, decided you were like, you know, that moment you asked for help because it, and I want listeners to know, like, you can always reach out to somebody for help. Now you know me and Carmen, you can even reach out to us. Absolutely. But you know, there are hotlines, there are people and you know, it takes courage to do that. It takes so much courage. Like it took courage for you, Carmen, to like reach out to your friend and be like, I can't do this anymore. I need help. A lot of us feel really, you know, vulnerable when we ask for help. It's normal feeling. It's a normal feeling. And there are so many involved in situations like this. Yes you're not meant to do this alone and you don't have to. And I think that's so, so important to note that you're not alone in any of it, truly. Um, even though we feel alone, we do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I stayed in that relationship for a while after, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I still battled that, 
believing in him, caring more about him than I cared about myself. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how it's a, it is a habit. It's mm-hmm. absolutely a habit, right? Mm-hmm. It does not just go away. No. With one decision to ask for help. No. It does not. No. <laughs> it takes uh, usually a few years. Yes. Several, uh, sometimes, you know, and, and you will see changes, you will see shifts, but those little old voices and thoughts and habits will come back up to be like, haha, but this. Yeah. 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 That, you know, that idea, that tendency to want to protect the the person yeah. that is in your life that is causing you the anguish you know in some way shape or form you know like we we so want to protect those people mm-hmm. overlook ourselves yeah yeah i know there's a tendency to feel bad for them there's a tendency to get way too invested in what their emotional experience could be and it's like you know what that is theirs to deal with and it's for their growth and change and well-being as much as you dealing with yours is for you and you can't get in there and make another person feel anything or change something. You just can't. And you have to, at some point, if you want to get out of a cycle of codependency, you have to choose yourself first, which in the beginning does take a lot of freaking balls, courage, all yeah. the things. Yeah. And I, and I would also say, you know, it's, it's not about making the other person wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, in some cases, you, you know, if you're dealing with like a narcissistic whatever, or you're, de- you know, whatever the case may yeah. be, there's obviously behaviors yeah. <laughs> that are wrong. Yeah. But there is no person on this planet that is, unworthy that is you know a horrible being yeah like I don't believe that um and and it's really interesting you know you have to know who to talk to Mm -hmm. because it's very common for people to demonize yeah the person right very true very true well you know kick him to the curb and Mm -hmm. get out of that and all that and that does what it does not work. For no, oh, because you love the person. Yes. And if you're somebody listening to this, who has somebody in your life, who you can see is in a codependent relationship, that's definitely one thing Carmen and I would both say, don't, that's not going to be the best advice. It's not going to work in your favor to demonize the other person to just be like, just get rid of them, just divorce them, just leave them, just whatever. Because that person, even though maybe that's what will eventually need to happen, it's only the person in that position, the person being, you know, in the codependency slot, like it's only their decision ever, just like anything. Right. And so, you know, we'll talk a little bit about like maybe how you can support that person, but certainly, yeah, just villainizing or demonizing that other person isn't going to help so much because truly too, it's like, like you said before, Carmen, everybody's always doing the best they can. Yeah. And, and, and things are either a, giving of love or a request for love. And some people just have really crappy ways to request love. They haven't learned them. They don't know them, whatever. And it's not condoning what they're doing. It's not saying you have to live with it. Well, they just don't know. So I'll just sit here and I'll be the one to help them learn. No, F that. It's not your role either. (laughs) It's not your job to teach them when they're treating you like crap either. You don't have to accept it. 
but you can understand it and use some compassion, just knowing that, Hey, they don't have that. I don't, I don't need to tolerate it. I don't need to experience it from them. I don't deserve to be treated like that. That's for them to figure out. Yeah. But you don't have to make them like terrible, evil people either, yeah. because truly you're right. You know, at the, at the end of the day, they're probably not that, <laughs> Yeah. you know, yeah. they're off track too. Yeah. And, and one of, you know, one other story I can share to that end is, is, you know, one day we were already broken up, but we were still communicating. So he wasn't, you know, living in my house anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were on the phone and he was talking craziness again. And, you know, like literally it didn't make any sense. And, um, and I'm, you know, I've got the phone in one hand and I was cooking when he called me. So I have a, a cutting knife, you know, like a mm-hmm. chef's knife or something like chop, chop, chop in cutting. my and because I had a you know cutting board in front of me and everything, I forget what I was chopping, but and and I'm on the phone with him and I'm hearing all this craziness and I'm I'm trying to talk sense. Mm-hmm. By the way, it does not work when someone is talking no. crazy. They can't hear sense, but no. But I was trying and I was getting so frustrated. And I got off the phone and which obviously a conversation went nowhere. I got off the phone and I looked and I had the knife still in my hand, you know, my Mm. hand wrapped around the handle blade up and the cutting board in front of me now had like 15 dents in it from me banging the knife handle into the cutting board while I was on the phone. Wow. I did not even realize I was doing it, but I was that agitated oh my gosh (sighs) and that scared the crap out of me yeah wow and that day I think really sunk in for me I mean I was in counseling at that point but that day it really hit me that okay you have some work to do on yourself Mm. because Mm -hmm. if you can't be calm like he's not even in the house, you yeah. know, like if, if, if you can be this unconsciously upset, like this is scary. Yeah. You need to get a better control over your own emotions and responses to life. Yeah. Wow. And mm. so, and that goes back to what I said about, you know, when you're codependent, you feel responsible for other people. You're not responsible for yourself. Right. And so that, that became like another turning point of, okay, not only do I need somebody's advice about what to do with this relationship, I need to learn how to cope with my own life. Mm, Wow. Yeah. You need to learn how to cope with your own life and be self-responsible, be response able. Yeah. Yeah able to respond appropriately up to that point I was always reacting to whatever was happening around me yeah and trying to take care of the other people and you know worry about them and I I had not learned how to to really live my life in a you know in a responsible peaceable way yeah wow that's powerful that's yeah, really beautiful. So my question too. So like I, so this is 
this is so beautiful. And, and thank you again for being so vulnerable and sharing these really hard moments, right? Where you've had realizations and things have, you know, shown up for you and you just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Right. Um, and I'm curious, I want to kind of unravel some of these deeper layers with our guests too, because, or for our, our listeners, because, um, you know, this podcast, Words Never Spoken, we oftentimes, like we kind of touched on earlier, we do, we hold these things very close to us because they're laden with things we're making it mean about ourselves, our own judgments on ourselves, how bad we are because of this stuff we're going through and the choices we either are making or aren't making. And so, you know, for people listening who there's some familiarity in this conversation for you, or you know somebody who is in a relationship like this, I want you to hear, again, some of this deeper stuff so that if you're in it, you know you're not alone and it's, what you're feeling is is normal and there's a way to, to get out of it. But also for those listening who might have somebody in your life who's in a codependent relationship to understand what your your loved one is feeling and experiencing, you know, some of what they're probably feeling and experiencing. So you can have more compassion for them. I know sometimes when you see somebody and you're like, what the hell are you doing? How can you stay in this situation? You really just want to shake them, right? Because you can see it so clearly, but from inside, it feels so different. And I, I would love for listeners listening who are in that situation to really be able to have a broader picture. So, you know, I'm curious about, you know, your situation, Carmen, like, you know, kind of what things did you make it mean about you or even what words did you feel like you couldn't speak about this? And then how did that feel for you? Yeah, I think as a, as a kid, none of this was conscious, you know, mm -hmm. but looking back, um, I, I think I made it mean, and I think the reason I didn't say anything about this is, this is hard, this is scary, you know, like, I don't want to be responsible for my brother's life. I made that mean that I was selfish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Be well, if you love your brother. Mm-hmm. You should want to take care of him. Right. Um, you know, you're going out and playing is not as important. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I feel like it made me self-centered and weak, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. everybody else is dealing with it. They're not complaining about it that's apparently just what what we do yeah so you know I don't want to be the too emotional one I don't mm -hmm. want to be the weak one that can't handle it yeah yeah and and again I can see how these themes then kept flowing into your life you know you are strong enough to handle it you're not weak um it's selfish to care more about yourself than this other person especially in codependent relationships, we often do find ourselves with people who have addictions and who have, you know, some things, as you said earlier, issues they're dealing with, right? They can be great people in many ways, but we, as codependent partner, we want to help them, fix them, serve them, support them, whatever the hell. 
Yep. And we think it's love. It's not, that's actually not a form of love. It's not a form of love like that for them or you truly. But, you know, I can see these themes from your childhood, just like rolling right through and, and helping to create these um, future circumstances in your relationships for sure. Absolutely. I, you know, I repeatedly was in relationship with people who I wanted to make the situation better. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help them. I want, you know, all, always. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because it never was it about what can I get out of it. And, and even as I say that, that sounds selfish to me, you know, what can I get out of the relationship? But if you're not getting anything out of the relationship, you shouldn't be in the relationship. Like, good point, you know? Yes. Right. It was always like, well, I mean, I really care about this person. I love this person and I want to, I see their potential mm-hmm. and I, yes, of my gifts, but it, it, for the longest time, it was a curse. Yes. I would see the potential. I would yes. see the pure soul. I would see, you know, the loving heart and all of that. And I would overlook all the behavior. Yes. I think that's very common too. And people I'm sure who are listening can relate to that. Like they're a good person. There's good in them. I want to believe in that. You know, I want to support that, you know, because yes, there is good in all of us. And when you see it, you're like, shit, you know, come on, this part, this part, this part. And yet it's one thing to see that and support that. It's another thing to see that and then glance over everything you actually would like and deserve, deserve, are worthy of (laughs) because of that part, right? It's like, that's where it starts to go awry. Yeah. Yeah. When you overlook things that are hurtful, when you look things that, you know, are destructive behaviors that turn your life upside down and you have, you know, like that, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for either one of you. It's not, it's not healthy for either one of you. And I, and I know that's another thing when we can start seeing that when we take a stand for our own selves and our own, uh, wishes, boundaries, you know, whatever we, there are many ways to name them in a relationship, but like when you take responsibility and start claiming those for yourself, like you are actually also inviting the other person to, have a better relationship with him or herself. It doesn't seem like that to the other person. They're going to resist and be really angry with you and tell you all sorts of nasty things. And you will then probably experience doubt of yourself, but you know, that's not actually what's happening. You know, you have to, you know, you standing for yourself is also a form of love for them. It is, it is. And and you're, (laughs) you're a hundred percent correct. They do not see it that way. Mm -mm. And it takes repeated courage, repeated repeated I mean yeah um it takes a lot of conviction and it takes support Mm -hmm. and that you know when you are basically you're recovering from codependency you know you're trying to establish new healthier habits and then you're repeatedly faced with the reaction from the person with the addiction or whatever it is yeah like you do need support at that yes you do need people that you can talk to yes that understand how these type of things work so that you can stay on that path of loving yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. This is not something that I would, I would even say like, is it possible for you to go through something like this and heal on your own? I mean, very few things am I ever going to say it's impossible to, um, but really in this case, your chances of getting healthy and loving yourself and moving through codependency to be in a healthy space without support is like farting in the universe. I mean, it's just (laughs) not very likely to happen at all because it is so ingrained because it is such a habit because if you are only with that other person who is telling you all this trash, it's just it, you, you just can't pull away. You don't have a big enough view of what's reality and what's just being told to you. And you're really trapped in your own psyche and your own thoughts. And those are the trouble places in the beginning until you've started to really repair and heal those. Yeah. I think what you just said is so important. If, if that other person is really the only other person you talk to, there is no flipping way. Yeah. And that's part of what the usually in a codependent relationship, check this out too, if you're listening and you're kind of not sure you're like, wow, some of these are putting up red flags for me, but I didn't even realize it. Cause again, we've talked about how sometimes when you're in it, you don't even know you're in it. But if your partner has, or person in your life with, you know, these issues, if you're in a relationship with somebody like this um, and you're kind of, they've either isolated themselves and don't really have a friend network or mm-hmm. they've isolated you guys as a couple. If you're in a couplehood um, you know, in parent-child relationships, it's going to look a little different. But again, if they want you to be their solo person and not go outside of, of them for help, support, talking to whatever, that should be a red flag because, again, they will tell you the stuff they want to and it's not true, but you won't know because you don't have anyone else to bounce it off of, you I- know. And so, again, it's not to make them bad or wrong people. Oftentimes, this is not a conscious choice they're making mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to manipulate this person. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to cut them off from all their people. It's not usually conscious. It is just part of their workings. And you're on the other side of it being like, well, okay, that makes sense. Well, sure. And sometimes it makes so much freaking sense. Oh, yeah. like, like the person, especially in narcissistic relationships or whatever, sometimes they how they phrase it, it sounds so logical. And so, yeah, okay, well, that's maybe reasonable. Is it though? I don't know. If there's a part of you inside that feels a little like, hmm, I don't know about that. That's your instinct saying, no, no, no. You know, um, you can trust that part of you. Absolutely. You really can. Yeah. But it takes a moment because I know when you're in the thick of it, you've probably kind of gotten out of touch with that part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, you need to talk with people who understand codependency. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's key. I really do think that that is the most helpful. Yeah, because again, if you're just talking to people in your life who love you, but who do not understand this from a like clinical, educational, knowledge-based way, or from having experienced it themselves and come to another side of it, they just don't get it in the same way. And even though they love you, they just, you know, might not be saying the things that you really need to hear or how you need to be supported. And so it's very important to find people to talk to who have experience with this in some way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, we've mentioned the, the word shame, I think, in this a few times. And I know that when you're in a position like this, like 
it can be really easy to beat yourself up to say things like, why am I in this position? How did I let myself get in this position? Why am I letting myself be treated like this? How can I doubt myself? There are so many thoughts you could be having about yourself and about how you're bad because of A, B, C, or D. And it's like, you can't win. You know, you're bad if you support the person. You're bad if you don't support the person. You're, you know, there's no winning for you. So I want to hear your take on that and kind of how you find your own like self-compassion in this um, or deal with that kind of shameful, giving yourself guilt feeling. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, one, beating ourselves up never ever helps never helps we don't learn sometimes it just doesn't help never helps (laughs) regardless of what the topic is Mm -hmm. um yeah i think it really you know um one thing i guess i've done is i've tried to look back at my life and see if i can look at it with a different perspective um like you know obviously you you store memories in the way you interpret them in the moment, right? Yeah, say that one more time because that's good. So you I, you store memories in the way that you interpret yeah. in the moment they're happening. Yes. Right? So those moments as a child, something happens, even though as a, an adult, you can logically say to yourself, well, that's, I understand it now and I don't blame my parents. I don't think that your body remembers it as the memory of that moment when you're five and you're like, shit, people don't love me or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I found it helpful to, as the adult, um, look back at those memories and, and go, hmm, how could I think about this differently? Mm-hmm. Um, what different meaning could I assign to what happened there? Right. Yeah of the yeah. way I interpreted it as a child, now that I've lived some life, you know, what mm-hmm. might have all these other people been going through themselves yeah. that, you know, made that particular experience happen the way it did. Um, that has helped me both have compassion for the other people involved yeah, and have really compassion for myself in that, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have tools. You don't have any conscious, you know, ways of reinterpreting things or understanding what everybody's going through. Like you just have a very narrow, you know, filter of interpreting things. Right. Yeah. And, and so when we can open up to different perspectives, like I said, we can have compassion for everybody involved, including ourselves. Yeah. Including that, child who thought that she had to be strong and she mm-hmm. had to do everything on her own and that no one was going to support her if she said she needed help. Yeah. You know, you mm-hmm. can have compassion for that child that then went on to live all those years in that same way, making things harder, you know, and feeling disconnected because of it. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, you know, woe is me and why did I do that to myself? You're like, yeah. well, of course I did. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, there, so there is no reason to beat ourselves up. Yeah. Because we, we do the best we can. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. 
Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, even again, for our listeners or people who have codependent people in their life or can see it, it's like that compassion you can bring to a situation of either I am doing the best I can, even if I don't love all my choices in this moment that I'm doing, that I'm literally doing, and I can see that I want to make a different choice and I can't do it yet. I'm doing the best I can right now. And I'm always getting better. I'm doing the best I can right now. And I'm always getting better. Like you can love yourself and say that to yourself. You can say that about somebody you love who you see in a situation and be like, they're doing the best they can. I get to love them. I get to build them up. I said, we'd come back to some things and, you know, we'll probably say some more because we want to give you things that you can do too. And we've sprinkled some throughout, but like you as somebody with someone in your life, who's in a codependent relationship bolster them, love them, support them, give them more and more confidence, help them to like trust themselves more and and choose themselves by, by telling them how great they are, how, you know, reminding them how strong they are, whatever it is like selling, you know, and telling yourself, having compassion for them. They're doing the best they can right now. They're doing the best they can right now. I get to love them where they are now. They're doing the best they can right now. Nobody is sitting there in a codependent relationship feeling like shit and being like, wow, this is amazing. I love this. I want more. Like no one is thinking that. Nobody. Um, so yeah. there's that part. I think also, you know, you said about choosing yourself. I think that's a, well, that's a core principle um, with life, period. Yes. But um, in, you know, codependent relationships, like you said, when you're supporting someone that you see going through something, that, you know, if you can remind them like, hey, you know, one, encourage them to do things without that person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's by themselves or whether it's with friends or whatever, just, you know, yeah, encourage them to do things that, that bring them joy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if they're really thick into it, don't mention anything about, oh, let's get away from so-and-so no. for a little while. Do not ever say that. Not about... Just- it's not about that. It's just about bringing the person and letting them have some fun and experience life and doing something that helps them feel really good. Because I promise you that the more they do that, eventually something will click in them of, oh my God, this feels better. That feels terrible. And I'm not, it's not the same. And, and something has to change. They will get there on their own if you just help encouraging, you know, more love and fun in their life. Exactly. In a very organic way. Yeah. It's, it's to bring the contrast, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, when you're in the codependent relationship, like you said, you're in the thick of it, Mm -hmm. you are drowning in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you don't, you're not even aware of anything else going on in the world. Yep. True. Okay. And so the idea of feeling lighthearted and having fun and, you know, like, oh, aren't the flowers pretty? doesn't it even occur to you no and so if if you can have people in your life that are like hey let's you know let's go for a hike or mm-hmm. um you know let's just go out and have dinner like there's yep. this cute little new restaurant or whatever yeah something and it's not about because it isn't about the person that you're in a relationship it's not about them it's that's not the point exactly your life yeah and your life does not revolve around that other person's life. It has been because right. you're in the thick of it. Yeah. But what you need to be reminded of is that that is not your life. That's not your that life. It's, it's a part of yeah. your life right now, mm-hmm. but your life has so much more to it. 
Yeah. And, and we need to be reminded of that. Yeah, we do. And I will say too, that, <clears throat> you know, I heard this from somebody before and it really, it was a good visual. It's like, you're not choosing, like when you, when you start to get to the point in a situation being in a codependent relationship where you're starting to maybe pull away. You're starting to want to change yourself. You're starting to do some of these things. And there will be resistance on the other side. Let's just name it. There will be anger. There will be resistance. There will be unkind things spoken to you. Yep. So just know they're coming. That person does not want you, their little ticket to ride, you know, to leave. Because that's just, they don't. That's the nature of the relationship, right? But as you do, someone said to me, you know, you're not choosing to leave them behind you're choosing to keep going and they're choosing to stay mm. and I was like oh because you know as the co as a codependent person you do you want to make things good and right and nice and all the things for other people and you know great but not when you're sacrificing yourself you know and yeah. when I heard that it just helped flip that that thought of I'm not doing something to this person that's bad I'm not being a bad person by this I'm making a choice to keep going. And I, and you can invite that person to come too, but that person also has a choice and they're either going to walk with you to change and to have healthier relationship with you, or they're going to stay. Yeah. And it's not your job to bring them with you. It's not your job to bring them with you. Absolutely. Your job is just to love you. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I can, you saying that I can remember multiple relationships where I'm like, I am choosing to walk away because that is the healthy choice for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's not saying anything bad about the other person. No, it is literally getting to the point where you realize this relationship is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to walk away. Yeah. And yeah. that person has absolute free will. Mm -hmm. They get to do whatever they want. They get yep. to decide that you're a horrible person and that you've abandoned them. And, mm -hmm. you know, they can curse you until the day they die. Mm -hmm. They can choose to, you know, write you off, you know, from their memory completely, mm -hmm. like you never existed. They can decide that, wow, I, I think I just lost an amazing person out of my life. And I wonder what I could do differently. So I don't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. They exactly. Have they have a choice. Limitless choices as we do. Exactly. But it's not our responsibility to make the choices for them. It's mm. our responsibility to make the choices for ourselves. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the last couple of things I just want you to touch on. One, you know, when we go through dark times, challenging times in life, nobody, nobody enjoys that. <laughs> we don't generally go out looking for them and, and calling them in. Consciously. Yeah. <laughs> However, they we all encounter them. We yeah. all have them. And it's through really these challenging times that we learn more about ourselves, that we grow, that we, we really get more connected to our power and our light. And so I would love for you to just share with us a few things that you really feel like you've gotten as gifts even mm -hmm. from these really hard experiences you've been through. Hmm. And yeah. for those of you listening, just, just allow yourself to hear that even in the middle of your hard time, there is a gift for you, even if you don't know what it is yet. And that's okay. You don't have to know. 
Yeah, I'd say you rarely know as it's mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> I think it's impossible. It, it, maybe not impossible. It was very close. Another one of those farts in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What I've learned and how I've grown. Um, one is what we were actually just talking about in that, you know, my responsibility is toward myself. Um, it's for myself. Mm. It's for other people. And that, and there is literally nothing selfish about that. I'm responsible for how I show up in the world. Okay. So that affects how I treat everyone else. Mm-hmm. It starts with me. It starts with me making choices that allow me to be at peace in myself. Because if you are not at peace within yourself, then you are bringing chaos to the world. And so one choosing myself, learning to realize that I have responsibility that, that, I am not always perfect and I need to address the things within me, you know, that are causing issues with other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like, Oh, I'm the common denominator here. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right? When you can look back at your life and, and go relationship one, two, three, you know, and you go, Oh, well he had this issue and he had this issue and he had this issue. And then you're like, huh? Well, common denominator here is me. Yep. That's an aha moment for it, many of us to like, oh, face is what it is. And, and yet I love those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Because what they do is they give you your power back. Yes. You give are you not, your power back. You are not a victim. You mm-hmm. are not just, oh, I just always attract the wrong guy. Right. Well, maybe you do, but you do because of something within you. And you get to fix that. Yes. You get to heal whatever it is within you that's attracting those bad situations and relationships. Yes. It's an amazing, you know, like I said, it's a slap across the face and it's a, yes, I Mm -hmm. have the power. It literally is an I have the power moment. Yes. Yes. And it it feels kind of heavy and scary, you know, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but once you realize that the freedom is just amazing. Yes. Because no longer will any circumstance dictate how you feel about your life. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get to choose. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's one. That's, <laughs> I think that's a big one. Really big one. Um, I also, because of the things I've been through, you know, the relationship situations I've been through, I feel like I have a much deeper level of compassion and awareness um, with other people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't judge people anymore. Yeah. I judged harshly for many years, mm-hmm. harshly for many things. And, and then when I started to heal myself and stopped judging myself so harshly, mm-hmm. And found compassion for yeah. myself, I was able to then able to be compassionate with others. Mm. And, and that has a beautiful ripple effect. Yeah. Um, and, and I even remember one time seeing a girl, a, a woman that I know locally here. And, um, you know, I just asked her how she was do- doing. And I didn't know her super well, but... Um, and she was like, you know, I'm okay, whatever. And, you know, she didn't really say much. And, and I walked up to her a little bit later 
uh, at this event and I was like, you know, I, and she was sitting and I sat down next to her. I'm like, Hey, really? Mm-hmm. How are yeah. you? And, you know, and I'm like, you know, just talk to me. And, you know, she, years later, she brings that up. Wow. She's like, somehow you saw that I was not okay. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, when we go through these things Mm. that feel so hard, but Mm. we heal ourselves, it gives us the ability that to then see when other people are experiencing similar things Mm -hmm. and become so much more light in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really a beautiful gift. Yeah, it is. It is. The people who can hold, who have the capacity to hold a whole bunch of tough stuff have usually gone through really tough stuff. Yeah. And that's why they have it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'd just love it for you to touch on like how your life does look now, like what you have in your life that's really amazing and beautiful because you've healed all this stuff. Because I think that's also equally important. Sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you really just don't know that there could even be another side, you know, or it's so hard to see that <clears throat> you might not be able to at first. And it's okay if you can't. It's okay if you cannot see it. Trust the now moment that this isn't it and, you know, take the first steps. But, you know, I would love to have you just share a bit of that too because, you know, you have done a lot of healing and you have done a lot of growth and and you're in a different place now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for for a couple of years after um, uh, that last uh, the alcoholic relationship. Um, I was like, I, I just got to heal. I can't, can't date anybody. I can't, <laughs> I, can't <laughs> I got stuff in my, in myself to heal. And I did, I absolutely did, you know, and I, and I, I worked on all that. And then I finally opened myself up to, you know, start looking or start, you know, opening myself up to relationship again. And um, I'm now engaged. I'm now, you know, um, planning, to be married within the next year. So, and, and it's a beautiful, supportive, um, healthy relationship. Yeah. The first one in my entire freaking life. Mm. Um, I'm 50 years old and, um, and it's beautiful and it's, it's amazing to me still. It's just kind of mind blowing, you know, that, Relationships do exist hmm. where you are responsible for yourselves, you know, individually, and you support the other person and you, you love them unconditionally. And loving unconditionally is not letting people walk all over you. It's yeah. not being in those destructive relationships and mm-hmm. saying, well, but he's got a good heart. That is not loving unconditionally. Yeah. You know, you can now I I will say I I loved unconditionally. Yes. And I put myself under the bus right in the past. Yeah. Now I love unconditionally and and I choose myself first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is possible. Yes. 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 It's not only possible. It is freedom. Yeah. It's beautiful. And. And it supports the other person. Yeah, it really does. Like, and when both people can love that way and trust themselves and show up for themselves first and want the best for each other and themselves, 
it is, it's heaven. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. So, it's so yeah. beautiful to witness. Well, like to offer that, you know, yeah. story. That, the- yeah. There's hope. There's light. It's true. You do the tough stuff and you get through it and there is something really beautiful on the other side. Yeah. Um, so we're going to put some, you know, resources and stuff in our show notes because we realize this is also a very big topic that there are a lot of people out here who deal with this and we know some of those resources so we'll put some book links and maybe some other links down there that you guys can check out um but i'd love carmen we've said so many beautiful things i'm sure you could pull out we could pull out so many nuggets from this podcast and you know for somebody i think i'd love to just and by just speaking to a person who might really be in this tough spot right now of being in a codependent relationship and maybe they realize it a little bit or they're starting to realize it, but they're kind of in that moment of, I don't know what to do. Cause I think that is one of the most helpless moments where we feel so powerless. Um, <clears throat> once you take the first step, you kind of start doing something, even though it's repeat, 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 you're doing something, you know, before then you're kind of in la la land oblivious you're not happy but you're not there yet of making a change right but like there's that moment where we realize I can't do this anymore I don't want to do this anymore and what would you say some of the very first things would be for that person to know or do that could make a difference in shifting yeah I think the most important um advice I could give you to start is to find someone safe to talk to so that Mm -hmm. only in that little bubble of you and the partner Um, Mm -hmm. you need some you need to broaden your (laughs) your circle so that you can experience life without that person being involved you know that you can remind yourself this is what brings me joy. This is how normal interactions look and mm-hmm. feel, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and so, you know, you, you can, you can do that with multiple people, obviously. And for multiple reasons, you can have friends that you can go have fun with um, to remind yourself, you know, to, to feel joy and to feel lightness and, and just to get you away from that relationship for however long. Yeah. Um, but then also definitely search out someone who does understand codependency so that they can mm-hmm. give you the next steps that you can take. Um, I just think it's so important because when y- you don't have any knowledge of how this works and, and you're going to need the support, mm-hmm. you really are. And, mm-hmm. and, and it might be just be somebody that's gone through it before doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be, you know, a, a licensed counselor or something like that, but, mm-hmm. um, but just find somebody that's safe that you trust that you yeah. can talk to. Yeah. That's just great. Cause you're not alone. You, yeah, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And oh, you feel alone. Yeah. So that yeah. is the first step is to. Yeah. So that you know within yourself that, okay, I'm not doing this alone anymore. I have people to reach out to. Yeah. And again, if you don't feel like you have anybody in your life, because again, I know people also deal with like feeling like they can't share it with their community or um, 
I'm married to a really public person and I can't share this with anybody who also knows that person. Again, there are anonymous resources you can find. You know me and Carmen now, so you can email us. We'll put our email in the in the show notes. It's connect.wordsneverspoken at gmail.com. So you will be able to connect with us too, you know, even for us to support you in getting to that next step of, of a person, you know, to to share with. It's really important. It's very, very important that you know that you're not alone, that there is support somewhere out there in this world. So <clears throat> I agree with you. That is the very first step for sure. And if you're one of those people who's like, am I? I'm not really sure. This is a new topic. I didn't realize some of these things. Well, then something you could do is even just make a list, like a super short list, three things like boundaries, like things that you would love in a partnership. Even, you know, I always want to feel safe in my partnership or I always want to feel respected, you know, things like that. Simple, basic, and just check it out over the next 24 to 48 hours. Are those lines, are those things met or are they not met? So, you know, just awakening yourself, just taking a new look, right? And, and not judging yourself or the other person, not, not even having to make any decisions mm-hmm. right now, but just kind of start noticing. So beautiful. So powerful, my dear. Um, I so appreciate, again, just the time you've spent with us, how vulnerably you've shared with us. I know this will make a difference for people going through this because I felt chills throughout a lot of this. <laughs> and when that's happening, that's just spirit source God being like, woo. I'm, I'm throwing out what people need to hear. So really, really beautiful. And I will say, you know, to our listeners, it's been an honor sharing this time and space with you. And we look forward to being on this healing journey with you toward more freedom and aliveness as we share words never spoken. And remember, you are perfectly whole and worthy exactly as you are. See you next time.